Live from Lois, it is Friday morning. We are coming to you in front of this beautiful two-person audience with a sophisticated background. It's really the only place in the entire office that doesn't have Halloween paraphernalia up. My name is Christian Cison. I'm a partner here at this firm. I'm not bitter about the fact that my SpongeBob costume did not win this past Wednesday. And to my left and right, I have partners flanking me. Good morning, my name is John Marzola. I'm a partner here at Lois. I hope everyone had a good week. I hope everybody had a nice Halloween and I hope everybody's ready for the weekend. Uh, we're gonna talk to you today about virtual hearings and a recent development. Uh, more or less the uh, pilot program is no longer a pilot. It's permanent. Is that a fair statement, Christian? I would say so. Not gonna introduce me, John. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Declan Gorley. Uh, thank you for joining us this morning. And as John said, we're going to have a little uh, pep talk here today about virtual hearings in New York. Right. So we'll start out with when it started, what our position was, how it's progressed through the past year, uh, and where we're going in the future. Right. How does this benefit employers and how do we use it to our advantage? So November 2017, Declan, this pilot program starts in Menans, right? You're very familiar with that area. What would you say was the general, I guess, vibe or feeling about virtual hearings coming to that location? Uh, I think that at first it was, this is a new thing. Let's see how this plans, how this rolls out. My personal, as I've said at multiple webinars before, my personal thought immediately was how is this gonna affect my life? Uh, as you know, we're in Paramus, New Jersey. Menans is about a two, two hour drive from here. So my first thought was, wow, I don't have to drive to Menans ever again, hopefully. Uh, it's four hours of my life that I can do other things with, and I was hoping that this would work out, and pretty quickly it, sh it seemed that it, it actually did work out. I mean, we were started Menans and a couple of the hearing points around the Menans hearing, uh, hearing point, including Hudson, and from there it rolled out pretty quickly. And we started to see this move pretty quickly, John. Like, what, what would you say was our position as a firm in regards to, you know, playing playing with this development? Yeah, well, I think um, we were excited out of, out of the gates because uh, in our minds, we thought if this works, if it's successful, if the technology is in place, um, it could you know, spread downstate, upstate, and get to areas in New York that we, you know, unless, you know, with the exception of the occasional case upstate where a client would say, hey, listen, we want you guys on this. We were not able to take work, you know, as far, you know other than north of Albany, Syracuse area, those would be the type of areas where we would go up there if a client asked us to, but we wouldn't regularly take cases in in those locations. And now we can do that. Uh, we basically can go anywhere statewide and you know, sp spread our footprint beyond just the downstate hearing locations. I, yeah, I think that's right. You know, we, we invested a lot of technology and time and effort into this process. We wanted to make sure that our systems were ready to take on additional cases, additional clients, uh, and additional hearings. And we started out ready for that. And it's really, you know, uh, gotten to the point where we're taking advantage of this fact. It's come, come to the point where this is now permanent. So we're one year later. Uh, there was a, a release put out by the board and chair Clarissa Rodriguez that has championed the success of this. I think she mentioned that in the past year, there have been 33,000 hearings where at least one participant appeared virtually, which is pretty incredible. Uh, and it kind of shows that there really was none of the uh, uh, pessimistic views that, that kind of persevered, right? It was 
a lot of people who said, oh, this is going to be scrapped. It's not going to work. We don't have the technology. We don't have the money to, or, or the infrastructure to put this in. And it's really been none of that. I mean, every month there's been new hearing points becoming more virtual and we're down to three, three remaining. So 22 out of 25 are now entirely virtual. Yeah, and I'm, I'm the last one to give the board credit. I think a lot of people like to knock the board for trying things or doing things and say immediately what's going on here. But I think this is one aspect where they rolled this out and they did it and they are pretty much didn't even, they called it a pilot program, but they pretty much let it go very quickly. It spread like wildfire. I and mean, like you said, every, every month there was a new hearing point that was getting virtual hearings. And now we're at the point where a year later, pretty much a year later, almost every hearing point is virtual. And from personal experience, it's been nothing to me, it's been nothing but uh, a success. And and I enjoy them. I think they're useful. Um, so I, I give the board a lot of credit for the way they rolled this out. They put a lot of money behind it, obviously, and they pushed it. And so far, it's been nothing but uh, a good product that they put forth. So let's talk about the advantages of virtual hearings. Uh, John, how does that really benefit the employer? <clears throat> so one thing I've noticed in my personal experience has been um, because of the fact that we're no longer in the same room with the claimant and their attorney, there's been a lot less of the old sliding medical evidence or a, a work search document across the table and then relying on it to the claimant's advantage. When we were used to attend the hearings in person, that would happen all the time, right? You'd go into a hearing and you'd say, hey, we've got a battle plan. We're going to suspend benefits because there's no updated meds. And then lo and behold, they'd reach into their you know, bag and trail you know, chest. Sometimes, you know, you, you couldn't even read the thing, but it would say somewhere on there, handwritten, I'm 100% disabled. Well, now you can't do that. And I've noticed that the judges are giving a lot less leeway to that um, that game of you know that game of sliding stuff across the table and then being able to rely upon it uh, has worked to my advantage at least five or six times now. Just you know earlier this week, the claimant was directed to produce a C258 work search form. They didn't post it with the board prior to the hearing, and then they tried to rely on it that day. And the judge basically said, you know what, um, that's not enough notice for the claimant's attorney to evaluate it and cross-examine the claimant with it, and therefore the claimant was determined to not have adequate work search. Uh, documents and and we won on a labor market attachment issue. So I think that alone is is worth its weight in gold from a perspective yeah. of defending cases aggressively. I think of the, like the worst case scenario in that is where we're being uh, told to go to a hearing with the battle plan that you said all for naught because a lot of those times we're almost preparing for a um, uh, a plan B because we just know that the, the medical is going to be right. slid across the table or the works are going to be slid across the table. And, you know, the virtual hearing guidelines have actually given us some uh, opportunity to really make that argument, right? They say that all documents have to be in the file uh, five days before the hearing. And it's something that uh, I know you've relied on as well to, to basically make the argument that, you know, attachment uh, shouldn't be found because records have not been submitted to our side previously. Yeah, my experience has been, if it's one medical report, the judge might give them a little bit of leeway, um, but work search definitely, as you know, if you come back from a hearing that was three months ago, the claimant should have done, a, a, if an adequate job search was done, they've applied to maybe 50, 60 jobs, and they would have nothing in the board file before the hearing, you'd show up thinking, I'm gonna get benefits suspended, and they'd slide, they'd come in with the stack, and I'd be at the virtual hearing, and they'd have this stack of documents from like maybe this thick, like an encyclopedia, like, oh, here's my work search, I'm ready to go. And the judges have been pretty, so far, I think every judge has either said, um, that's not adequate, we're going to return this for another hearing, or they've said, I'm suspending benefits temporarily, you can come back in 30 days or 60 days and we'll, we'll take your testimony on this, but this didn't give everyone a proper opportunity to review what you're producing as evidence. And I think that was fair. I mean, some adversaries would say, I can, I can gladly email it to you now, 
but um, the pushback from the judges has typically been, that, no, we're not going to allow you to submit your 100 pages of evidence now that someone couldn't clearly review to cross-examine you properly. Right. I think it, you know, allowing parties that option has benefited the employer for sure, not to mention the obvious cost uh, for defense counsel uh, in even hearing points that we cover very close to our office, right? Uh, appearing virtually saves them uh, some time and expense and also allows us to really focus in on that particularly for that hearing and then also use that time spent to go to other cases, other hearings, that kind of thing. I think that the cost saving is actually probably the biggest driver for employers, uh, but there are some other ones too. I mean, we've seen, we've had cases where employers and, and claims adjusters have sat in on hearings, right? Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's always, it's an option to them now for each and every hearing. They have the same access as long as you have the technology. You can use your virtual hearing ID number and call right in. Um, you don't need, you know, you could listen to it. You could, you know, appear by video. Um, if that's something that uh, you'd be interested in doing, we're, we're always welcoming opportunities for, you know, clients to sit in and see what it's really like and uh, be able to uh, get a firsthand view of how it goes. It's definitely an eye-opening experience for someone who hasn't seen it before, right? When, you know, uh, we've taken clients to uh, hearings, whether it be as witnesses in trials or even just to see, you know, what you said, what it's like. And having that aspect allows clients to really review us uh, on an in-depth perspective as opposed to just monitoring the file through reports and phone calls. Uh, and we welcome that. We want uh, our clients to see how well we're performing for them and defending their interests in those cases. Um, and I, I don't see any anything wrong with that. I think it's it, it, in any event, if you're someone uh, at another firm, obviously, that is maybe doing something different at the hearing and not putting in that in a report, then you should be theoretically on your game more so if uh, your client is actually in there at the hearing. Yeah. Any thoughts I, on that? No, I, I, I absolutely think it's a, it's a great um, component of the process. And, um, you know, you, when you get a post-hearing report, sometimes uh, things don't, things didn't go exactly as you anticipated. Um, clients are going to have questions, right? And this allows them the opportunity to see exactly what happened. Uh, and there's, there's no hiding behind. Um, if, if, if your attorney wasn't prepared or something or trying to you know, gloss over um, an issue that you didn't raise, you know, the proof's going to be in the pudding, man. You're going to be right, right there. You know, you can, you can see and hear exactly what happened. Um, and, you know, I feel very confident stating that, you know, our attorneys are always prepared and raise all issues. And, and, and you know, we're able to back up what we're, we're saying in our reports by being, allowing the client to sit in and uh, watch the, or listen to the proceedings live. If I had to say what I think the, the biggest benefit besides cost savings is, I would say employer witnesses and trials. Um, That's a good point, yeah. <clears throat> especially up in the more remote areas, like if you go to Albany, you might be 50 minutes from a hearing point, even though you have a, an actual employer in a physical location. And sometimes these will be cases that you want to actually have a, a witness present for. Pushback before may have been from an employee. Well, I don't, to, I don't want to get there. I'm not going to get paid to be there. Now they really don't have an excuse. I mean, it's like literally just pick up your phone and you can look from, you can sign into the hearing from your, from your mobile device. And I haven't had a hearing now in the last year where I've been contacting witnesses where they've actually said, I just don't want to show up. I can't show up. It's now been more, okay, if I can appear from my phone, what, where do I call in? So, right. Right. I think that's a, a great point. Uh, you know, it, we kind of defeat that problem of having witnesses, uh, not want to appear or have these roadblocks uh, for a trial appearance. And I think it 
it's a good segue into really the future because uh, the board is actually <coughs> announcing that an app is going to be uh, released for this specific purpose uh, in addition to many other technological opportunities, but essentially making it even easier for our clients, for witnesses, for claimants too. That, uh, you know, I think that's really the, the end goal for this is to have claimants who live out of state still appear for hearings uh, in New York state. I think that the future is actually going to continue this progress and make this really a permanent thing, right? I, I mean, it is permanent, but I, I mean, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if it eventually became mandatory. What do you guys think? I think we're quite a ways from that. I, I think there's been a lot of pushback from the claimants bar, more important, more than the carrier side, um, especially the larger volume practices where they may have 100 cases on in one given day. I don't know how they're going to have an office in Midtown Manhattan that can accommodate all those claimants coming into their office and sitting there waiting for a virtual hearing to take place. I just think that's where the biggest pushback is going to come. Well, the claimant could also appear from home around the app, just like you said. Again, I don't think that most, <laughs> most claimants attorneys, I don't think, want that. Oh, of course they don't want it. <laughs> well, I think, um, you know, what, if we're talking about it, would it ever become mandatory, I, I think the question would, that we need to be answered is would judges be able to appear virtually, right? Because they're going to have to always be the ones that are there in person. But if the board could figure out a way to get that accomplished, um, then I could absolutely see it. Um, and then I guess, you know, one other thing we haven't mentioned here is that, uh, you know, as the fall is going to turn to winter, this will be the first time um, no we'll be able to virtual. There'll be no snow days, right? And think about how many, I can, I can recall a number of occasions last year where a client's been waiting for, you know, their hearing on an RFA to suspend and, you know, you get a snowy day <laughs> and next thing you know, you got to wait another 30 or 45 days to get your, your day in court. Uh, I think that's going to be a, a real advantage come December, January and February. That's a good point, actually. We're coming on that weather now, although it's, it's kind of nice outside, but uh, we know that the weather is going to turn any second. No, I'm not looking uh, forward to the cold weather. I'm just saying, you know, in this particular context, it could right. be helpful that uh, there's not shouldn't be any cancellation of hearings due to weather-related uh, events in the next few months. I, I don't know. I, I, I also like the adrenaline rush of the, of the virtual hearing, too, right? It's almost like when we first started doing this way back when and going into our first couple of hearings, not knowing what it's about, the technology technological aspect of it and whether or not it's going to be perfect still like gives me like oh like you know that little like rush that makes me really ready for the hearing and, and I think it's a nice addition to what we do yeah when that when that bell goes off right that little <laughs> right. thing you get it's right. going to start in 20 seconds. Yeah, you know, seconds you know you know it's game time for sure <laughs> definitely yeah <laughs> well that's what we have for you guys today uh this uh webinar was done really to uh, back up the last last week's announcement from the board. Uh, we're going to see and check with our producers today if there are any questions specifically for that. I'm seeing a no, which means that I've done such a great job at the already answered your questions. Uh, if you have any questions, you can certainly email us, call us, send a carrier pigeon. I don't care. This is a great, great thing for employers in the state of New York and we are welcoming it with open arms. So uh, for John and Declan, uh, I'm Christian, and we are ready to take on your cases.